0: Hey, it's Antoinette, and welcome to another episode of the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast. In today's episode, I interview Jeanette Carlos from Balanced Fertility with JJ. Jeanette shares her personal experience and her journey through infertility of unknown cause. As a nurse working in critical care, she discusses how she felt like mainstream medicine didn't prepare her for what this journey through understanding your body and knowing when you're fertile. In this episode, we're going to talk about Jeanette's discovery of the fertility awareness method and how she's used it to empower herself to use therapies such as napro technologies and other functional and holistic medicine treatments in order to help her along her journey. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast, a podcast about female empowerment through menstrual cycle health, the true heartbeat of your hormone status. With each episode, we'll explore the foundations of hormone health with science, soulful and heartfelt conversations, a dash of sass and feminine pizzazz. Our dream is to arm you with exactly what you need to be an unstoppable female force, ready to achieve all that your heart desires and embrace your inner goddess. And here's your host, naturopathic doctor, birth doula, fertility awareness educator, hormone enthusiast, and lover of pretty things, Antoinette Falco. Welcome, Jeanette. It is so awesome to have you on today's episode. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me here, Antoinette. I am so grateful that you invited me.
0: So I usually start most of the interviews by having our guests share a little bit about their story and what led them to doing the work that they do.
1: Sure. So, I'll introduce myself. My name is Jeanette. Um, Many know me as JJ on social media. Uh, I, I love both names equally. This summer I will be celebrating my 10 year anniversary of being a nurse. I spent seven to eight of those years working as a critical care nurse. And although I am back in school and not working currently at the bedside, I still identify as an ICU nurse simply because I just can't get uh, get away from my detail-oriented mindset, which follows me in everything that I do, in particular how I use FAM to chart my cycles. (laughs) Um, As far as the work that I'm doing on social media to advocate for fertility awareness method, that kind of happened Um, just very organically. Uh, Back in 2017, I had just celebrated my one-year anniversary of marriage. And my husband and I decided we were ready to start a family. And three months of unprotected sex later and no pregnancy to show, I was super confused. Like, hello, everybody knows you get pregnant with every sexual encounter, right? <laughs> okay, Kitty, um, that was sarcasm. <laughs> we'll talk about um, that later. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really, no, but genuinely, I was really confused, and I was stunned because it allowed me to realize that I still had that um, believe in my head that you grew up with as a teenager, that, you know, all your family, all your sex ed education that you had tells you every time You have sex, you're going to get pregnant. If you look at a boy, you're going to get pregnant. (laughs) And here I am as a grown-up, almost in my 30s, still believing that despite my nursing training, that told me. I was only fertile for up to six days out of the month. (laughs) Um, When I started Googling uh, things like, when's the best time to get pregnant, which again, just tells you about the the lack of sex education that we're given, Uh, because here I am as a nurse and I can't believe that I'm Googling this question. It's almost embarrassing, Uh, but I know I'm not the only one. I started finding things about checking basal body temperature and cervical mucus, both terms that were completely foreign to me. And because I had never heard of it in nursing school, I assumed, well, clearly this cannot be scientific, but I was desperate. I wanted to get pregnant. So I'm like, hey, it's not going to hurt. Let me learn how to do this. (laughs) At this point, I had no idea that checking basal body temperature and cervical mucus was a part of a bigger scheme of like methods out there that helped women, um, track their cycles and be in tune with their hormones. I had no idea. I I took it just a step by step. And what I learned is that first of all, I did not have any cervical mucus. All right. So I had no idea what cervical mucus was at this point. I wasn't producing any. So I just kind of eliminated that off the bat. Um, that was a red flag in the beginning telling me that something was wrong. But again, I didn't really understand fertility awareness as a whole. I started uh, to focus more on basal body temperature just because I was trying to pinpoint my ovulation date for just for better pregnancy outcomes. And what ended up happening is that I started to notice that, well, I couldn't make sense of those charts either. My patterns were very sporadic. Um, they look like the sawtooth pattern and my temperatures were extremely low. I think I would range between 96 to 97 degrees every single day. And I would hit as low as 95.6, which is really low. And anybody who charts knows that that alone is already an alarm for something maybe going on with your thyroid. I was super excited in the beginning because it kind of led me to think, oh, well now I have concrete evidence that I can show my doctor that this is going on uh, and maybe he can help me get pregnant. So I thought in my naive way that I would take this information to him. Um, But unfortunately, (laughs) just how I did not know about fertility awareness, doctors also are not taught. So unfortunately, Nothing could be done about this. I just kind of went ignored for several years. If you are just getting to know me, I talk a lot about my infertility journey on my social media. And that was very devastating for me because not only was I learning about FAM from a healthcare professional that sees the need for this and the importance of how this can actually be a great tool to help us understand what is wrong with us, if there are any hormonal imbalances. But from the standpoint of just a woman that is going through infertility and wants to get pregnant. And what I gathered from here is that I felt very empowered with this knowledge. So when I went to my doctor, although he told me there's nothing wrong with me, go home, keep having sex, it'll happen eventually, I felt like I had something to work with. And because of that, I am on this journey to try to educate and inform as many women as I can for them to uh, take this information and know that they are in control of learning about their bodies. I truly believe that when you have a deep understanding of who you are, you show up in the world as a better human. And what better way to know yourself than to actually understand your own design?
0: Yeah, <laughs> so beautifully said. No, thank you for sharing that. And you have such passion when you talk about this and you truly are a fam advocate. And I, I've seen, you know, your content and your videos on social media and you speak to that point about you. You want more for women and young girls growing up to learn and and know more about their bodies. FAM really is a vital sign. I know that's been talked about a lot within the community, but for listeners, you know, just like Jeanette discovered for herself that her temperatures might've been a sign that there was an underlying hormonal condition going on. You know, that's the cool stuff you get to learn when you take the time to learn FAM and practice FAM. So I love that. Yes, I get so excited because, like I said,
1: obviously, you cannot get a diagnosis from this, and I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when we start to invest in this research, doctors are now going to have more tools to be able to help us because thyroid, PCOS, you know, all these other um, irregularities just are so easily dismissed. And unfortunately, the only solution that we have is birth control. And if you are ready to have a family and you cannot find the reason for um, your hormonal imbalances, guess what? You go straight to IVF and lie after a while. And I think we're missing a big, big picture here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you said something that I, that I wanted to highlight and that, that is that you had said something about how you grow up and and you think that it's possible to get pregnant every single day of your cycle on every cycle. Um, and then it just gets so discouraging when you actually want to get pregnant and it's not happening the way, you know, they told you in school that it was going to happen. Um, <laughs> and actually a funny story, a few days ago, I was teaching an introductory presentation about fam and I had the client say to me, Oh, I had no idea it was so technical And it's like science-based, like I had no idea. And this was somebody else who was a, um, she worked in the healthcare field and I was just, I was blown away. But then I was also excited because here's somebody who's saying to me, this is the coolest, most amazing thing and I want more people to know about it. So that was really, uh, that was a cool experience for me, but it really highlights that we need to be talking about this way more than we are. Absolutely. I love, I love that you say that because
1: these stories are not isolated. Like I said, I am mm-hmm. a medical professional who also did not know. And I walked into this completely blinded and feeling like, well, this cannot be real because there's no science behind it. But mm-hmm. that's actually false. We There's new research that is pushing out there for these methods to become very, very normal. And I'm excited for our future. Women's health is going to go in through a revolution. <laughs>
0: <laughs> woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So you, so there are some doctors that do have, let's say like additional training in FAM and that group, uh, you often hear being called NAPRO doctors, or, you know, you might have, you know, practitioners like myself who trained as a naturopathic doctor, but have additional FAM training. So I want to talk in this episode about NAPRO technologies, working with a NAPRO doctor and, and what that looks like, because I'm sure lots of listeners are curious curious to find a practitioner who will look at their charts. Cause it's like, you spend all this time and energy to learn fam. And then you're almost pr- so proud of your chart and the data you collected and you want somebody to take you seriously and know what to do with it. Oh like- my God. Yes. <laughs> I feel that at the soul level, because I
1: remember I felt when I first started my infertility journey, I, in my head, you know, because I'm a nurse, I want to make sure that I get my labs done, that I follow protocol. I'm doing the right thing. In my head, I had I had heard about Napro, but, but you know, Napro was going to be the later thing. I, I needed to go see my OBGYN and take the steps. And of course, I, I was met with resistance, especially when I presented my charts, when I said I had no cervical mucus. I even had my own OBGYN tell me, I don't know why you're worried about your cervical mucus. Cervical mucus has nothing to do with your ability to get pregnant. That is a true story. I don't say that to ridicule that doctor. I think that doctors are very intelligent. I think that they're experts in their field. They're just not trained. Cervical Mm -hmm. mucus is a foreign word. And if you chart your cycles, if you teach fertility awareness, you know that that is clearly not true. That cervical mucus is actually the most important vital sign in your body when it comes to reproduction.
0: Mm -hmm, So
1: yeah let's get into napro i love talking about napro technology and i want to start off by thanking you Antoinette first and foremost for what you're doing with this podcast because it was through podcasts that i learned about napro technology and i think that this is unacceptable because napro technology should be the standard of care for anyone seeking fertility care hormonal care of any type of imbalance. But the sad reality is that NAPRO for now is only for the lucky few that read about it, that hear about it from a friend or that accidentally find it in a podcast. So again, thank you for allowing me the the opportunity to get to share my story. Of Um, course.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) I, pay it forward, right? You learned it through the podcast yes. episode. And now that our mission for this episode is to really tell everybody who's listening about this awesome approach.
1: Yes. So NAPRO technology stands for natural procreative technology. And again, if you have never heard about this, don't feel bad. This science was developed only in the last 30 years or so by American obstetrician, Dr. Thomas Hilders in Omaha, Nebraska. To understand what NAPRO is, we got to backtrack a little bit further into the time where Dr. Hilders pioneered the Creighton fertility care system of fertility charting, which stemmed out of the Billings method of charting. If you're familiar with Billings, Billings is a mucus only method. And uh, Creighton is very, very similar in that approach. They even have very similar charge. They use very similar stickers. The unique thing that Dr. Hilgers accomplished by this is that um, he created a very standardized form for women to be able to, to identify their cervical mucus patterns and document them in a way that doctors can read them. So, After he created the system, he then went on to find the Pope Paul VI Institute, which is essentially the physical building in Omaha, Nebraska, where he teaches doctors and other healthcare professionals to learn about the cervical mucus pattern and its relation to hormonal imbalances. So these doctors... A lot of them, they're, all, they're regular family practice doctors, OBGYNs that do uh, a specialized training um, through the Pope Paul Institute, and they get essentially taught how to read these charts and how to treat us, which is so awesome for us. And it's, like I said, going to change the way that we uh, view our women's health care, the neat thing about uh, NAPRO and the reason why I get super excited is because I truly believe that our daughter or our future our daughter's daughter is going to end up going to her OBGYN office one day and she's going to be asked for her chart because this is how scientific this is. <laughs> I actually have created a handful of YouTube videos talking about my uh, personal experience going through NAPRO technology. Um, So if you're interested in that, you can find them just by my name, Jeanette Carlos. Just extend me some grace. I know nothing about editing. Uh, So I just uh, put them out there because I know nobody is is talking about it. I don't want to get into the details of my story here. I I really want to highlight how important NAPRO is for everybody. But again, Napro technology is just based on finding the root cause of hormonal imbalances. So they are able to help anyone that is experiencing not just infertility like me, but irregular cycles, menstrual cramps, very, very painful periods, uh, unusual discharges, uh, PCOS, endometriosis, ovarian cysts postpartum depression, depression, PMS, uh, perimenopause, and even uh, repetitive miscarriages. This one for me is uh, very important to spread the word because so many of my friends have had miscarriages. And the sad thing about the way that we handle miscarriages is that we tell women, well, it happens to a lot of you. And it's probably because the baby had some hormonal, uh, or I'm sorry, not hormonal, genetic abnormalities. And while that is true, I, I do not argue that. I think that we need to do better. As, as scientists that are doing the research, we, we need to invest more because what we're telling women after they've had three, four <laughs> miscarriages, like this is this is unacceptable. And Napro. What they do is that they actually set out to find the root cause as to why you're having these miscarriages, because we're starting to understand. And NAPRO is so big on this in in advocating for endometriosis, because we're starting to see how a lot of women have endometriosis that can lead to their uh, miscarriages and they don't even know about it. In my case, for example, um, I talked about how I've been on this journey for about three years. And in the three months that I started working with a Napro technology doctor, I was able to receive two diagnoses that helped me understand my unexplained infertility, which was one, I had Hashimoto's and two, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. For me, This is very, very important for anyone listening to really take to heart that this is a diagnosis that while it it can be very commonly understood as someone who has very painful, heavy periods, it is not always the case. I am one of those who had zero symptoms. I am a nurse. (laughs) Trust me, in the three years that I've been trying to get pregnant, I made a list of all the things that could possibly be wrong with me. And the last thing on the list was endometriosis. So when I uh, went to see my NAPRO doctor, she told me, she said, I am going to treat you as if you had endometriosis until proven otherwise. I was blown away. And the more that I started to learn about it, I've actually had several uh, NAPRO surgeons tell me that even though if you were to Google the percentages of of women with unexplained infertility that have endometriosis, they kind of rate it at about a 25 to 50% of the cases uh, women have endo, but in reality, the NAPRO surgeons that are doing these surgeries are actually claiming that it's way higher, that up to 75% of these cases are, or unexplained infertility are because of endometriosis and women have absolute no idea because no one is testing for them. And that just goes to show why I,
0: I want to spread the news. <laughs> wow. I, that is like really fascinating. Cause I, I knew that the number was higher than we thought, but to say that it's like up to 70%, like that's a, like that's a significant number of women within the unexplained infertility category. And I wow. always say like unexplained, that category really, that's like the the cop out. Oh, we don't really know what's wrong. So we'll just like, we'll just dump you in that category, which isn't fair, honestly.
1: It is, it is. And I'm so passionate about this. Like I said, to in order for you to get a diagnosis of infertility, you'd have to have unprotected sex for a whole year. Before mm-hmm. you even get um, paid attention to by your doctor, if you're over the age of 35, then it, it bumps you down to six months of unprotected sex. But even then, that's unacceptable because a lot of the reasons why that's even happening is because women don't know when to have sex. If I as a nurse didn't know, how is anybody else going to know? Mm-hmm. Um, th- just for my point, um, if you join any Facebook group on infertility and you post the question, when did your OBGYN tell you to have sex to get pregnant? You're gonna hear different answers. And that is alarming mm-hmm. because you should not be getting different answers from doctors as to when is the most appropriate time to have sex. Like it should, it like, like you said before, it's a very technical thing. <laughs> There's no guessing game. You can narrow down your fertile window and you can know when to have
0: sex. I know. So, I always, I always read on those groups. Oh, I, I use this app and it tells me that I need to okay. have intercourse on this day and this day, which I know that's that's a whole other, you know, when I get those cases in my office, I'm like, okay, yes, this is going to be, you know, relatively easy fix. It's about timing intercourse so that they know when the, when are the chances that they can have the highest chance of having a successful conception
1: absolutely. Um, uh, Antoinette, I want to share this statistic from the Napro technology Mm. here. They say that up to 20 to 40% of couples with infertility are able to get pregnant only by using the Creighton fertility care charting. So that highlights that out of all the couples who are being misdiagnosed as infertile is just basically a lack of education, 20 Mm. to 40%. That's significant. Yes, out of those, 80% will conceive with NAPRO technology care. You know, okay, I am so, so, like, I I almost get angry. 80%, that means that 80% of women who are having IVF and IUIs are jumping straight there because no one has told them that there's such a thing as NAPRO technology, that are doctors out there that are willing to explore further their unexplained infertility diagnosis. Mm-hmm.
0: So to recap, so a Napro doctor, somebody who is trained in the Creighton fertility awareness based method, and they are doctors who have access to um, your standard, you know, standard and beyond additional testing, additional diagnostic imaging, all of that to help understand what is going on. Well, at the root of your, you know, umbrella diagnosis of unexplained infertility. I guess my question is, are there therapies that a NAPRO doctor would have access to or would know that are beyond what, you know, an OBGYN or even a reproductive endocrinologist would know? Because sometimes I feel like, I feel like in medicine, sometimes- literature or research takes a long time before it gets in mm-hmm. the hands of a doctor. I know the fertility clinics are a bit better at this just because they're like semi-private. So they they <laughs> they have an incentive to get more, get access to the literature. But even still, I, I am seeing such a variety in terms of the information shared. So can you speak a little bit to that if you know, if you know so, of
1: anything? That's such a great, great question. This is what sets natural technology apart. It's not that they're using Mm. new things. What Dr. Hilgers has done is that he has taken the time to understand a woman's cycle. Mm. So because he knows how to uh, teach women when to identify their fertile window, he then teaches his doctors to be able to test them for, you know, it depends on what they're going through, you know, what the reason for their care is, but it, it carries the rest of the orders that the doctors are given. So I'll give an example. The, the miscarriage thing is a very big one. I'll go back to that one. Miscarriages are kind of ignored. If it happens like once or twice, you kind of have to have three for someone to run tests, right? With
0: napoteno, I can't even believe that. Like That I makes me... <laughs> As someone who had a miscarriage, like I cannot even imagine going through it three times before someone's even saying, "Hey, let's investigate this." Like that. I'm so sorry
1: for for what you went through, but I, I know that you're not alone. And there's definitely women not. That are yeah, grieving. There are women that feel guilty, like they did something wrong, but you know there there are answers out there, and so natural technology. Uh, the, the doctors are able to, well, let's just backtrack. Let's just use your charting. Something as simple as finding a luteal phase defect will tell you that you are at high risk for having a miscarriage. This is important because. You're not even going to the doctor to get lab work. You don't need a lab work to tell you that you are at high risk. You are literally just looking at your mucus every day. And because you charted, you know, if you have a short luteal phase, which means that you cannot sustain a pregnancy if you only have like a luteal phase of just uh, 10 days or eight days, you know off the bat before you even try to get pregnant that this is something to worry about. So when you go get tested, um, the common hormone lab panel that doctors give you at your OBGYN, they'll tell you to get tested on cycle day 21. And the reason why this is not correct or why you're not going to get appropriate results is because the cycle day 21 thing is making the assumption that you are ovulating on cycle day 14, and research now is showing that only 10% of women actually ovulate on cycle day 14. So when you get your progesterone checked on day 21, it may not be as high as it needs to be, or you may get a result that actually is normal. When in reality, if you were to have tested later on based on the actual day of your ovulation, you may find that it is actually not going to be okay. You're not going to be able to sustain a pregnancy.
0: I also find it interesting that they, it's only one day, right? And we know like our hormones are fluctuating. It's cyclical. They're changing every single day. So to go in there and do one test on one specific day that might not even be the day, it's like, well, is that enough to say like, oh, your progesterone is just going to be fine for, you know, an entire 12 weeks of pregnancy, if not longer?
1: That is exactly my point. So if you are being treated by a NAPRO physician, your lab order is more than likely going to say, it's never, it's never, it's not going to tell you, go get tested on this day. It is going to say, get tested on post peak day after or plus three days, six days, eight days, like you're going to have to repeat tests like every other day. That's that's (laughs) that's great. No, that's so
0: conclusive. And I think it's wonderful that um, women can have access to that in-depth testing.
1: Oh, for sure. And I do want to add that um, caveat that I feel like, you know, cause I don't want to just give women the false hope that, you know, Napro technology is the answer for all, because I do want to want them to hear the b- both sides as someone who is walking this infertility journey. I know from so many of my infertility sisters that the hardest thing for them is to have to wait longer. So <laughs> with Napro, You are gonna get answers, but you have to be ready to be patient. Napro technology is exploring the root cause of why you cannot get pregnant. And sometimes we need to have ultrasounds done on specific days of your cycle. So that means, that if your doctor's appointment is, I don't know, say cycle day 26, and he wanted to test your progesterone or any other lab or have an ultrasound done, uh, done on a specific day after your ovulation, guess what? You missed that window. So now you have to wait an entire cycle to be able to get your test done. And everybody knows that it takes a while to get the results by the time you see your doctor. It's it's time consuming, but I, I just... If you hear anything from this, I hope you take heart and I hope that you understand that the reason why this is time intensive is because NAPRO technology is giving you something that other um, conventional care is not going to give you, which is the answers in working with your cycle, we have to take it a day at a time. We have to wait for your body to give the doctors their, the green light to go. When you go see a reproductive endocrinologist, it's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to load you up with a whole bunch of hormones. In fact, I'm going to, I know you're trying to get pregnant, but I'm going to put you on the pill because I want to make sure that I know that you're going to ovulate when I say you're going to ovulate it. (laughs) So -hmm. that's how insane and different these things are.
0: No, and I think to speak to your point about not wanting to be patient or not wanting to wait, I think there is something to say that each cycle that passes you, you do take one step forward because you're either finding out new information that you didn't know before, or you're taking, you're tweaking your plan just a little bit. And it could be just the slightest thing. Like I've decided this cycle to drink more water, for example, or I decided to take more vitamin D, you know, it's just those little tweaks. Whether they're diagnostic, whether it's towards treatment, I, that still makes, you know, for myself made me feel better that I was doing something each cycle versus like what you highlighted at the fertility, like a traditional fertility clinic. It's very much like protocol based and you're kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. we did this. Let's try it again next month. And then let's try it again. Next. You don't feel like you've changed things from cycle to cycle. Oh, I love that you
1: said that. I'll share a little bit of my own personal journey with that. I advocate for NAPRO, like I said, because for me, it's new and I feel like everyone deserves to know. But at the same time, I respect everyone's options. You know, if you're someone who really cannot wait and you just, you don't care how you get pregnant, you just want to get pregnant and you want to go with your reproductive endocrinologist, that's fine, I respect that. In fact, I I don't know if I will ever consider IVF or IUI. But what I will say is that for me, It is very important. It was very important that if I was to ever to arrive to that decision, I was going to walk in there confidently and I was going to walk in there armed with information. And when I found out that there's a possibility that I may have endometriosis for me, I had to rule it out because science shows that women with endometriosis have lower um, success rates with IVF. IVF is expensive. IVF is not a walk in the park. So for me to have gotten my mindset ready to take on these more invasive procedures, I had to know where I stood. And I think now that I have my diagnosis of endometriosis, if I were to ever decide in the future that I want to go through with IVF, then I go in there understanding that my chances of conceiving are actually way lower. And me spending these thousands and thousands of dollars on something that may not help me get pregnant, I, I at least I went in there informed. And sadly, a lot of the women that are going in there, especially with the statistics being as high as 75% of silent endometriosis, um, there's a lot of women right now experiencing failed uh, art procedures with a diagnosis of endometriosis and they don't even know it.
0: And for the listeners, art, artificial reproductive therapies. I know sometimes I'm not on top (laughs) of defining those, but uh, no, that's an excellent point. Um, So through your NAPRO journey, um, what would you say are the top pieces of wisdom that you've taken away that you really think that every woman or couple should, should think about when considering using NAPRO technology?
1: So like I said, it's very important to note that because this science is fairly new, no one else has caught up to it. (laughs) That means there's a handful of doctors that are NAPRO-trained. There's a big possibility that you are going to have to work uh, through telemedicine. Right now, I'm currently living in El Paso, Texas and my NAPRO doctor is in Indiana. And my Napro surgeon is in Dallas, Texas. So I've had to I haven't had to travel to see my Indiana doctor because I do all my work through um, telemedicine. She sends all my lab work to labs here in El Paso. And the only traveling that I had to do was to Dallas when I had my my laparoscopic surgery to rule out the endometriosis. With that being said, I I do want to highlight that there's a possibility that you may need to travel or you may need to be okay with uh, telemedicine. On a good note, these appointments are generally covered by insurances because it is like seeing a regular doctor. The other downfall to NAPRO is, like I said, it's just the time that you have to wait to get tested on a very, very specific day. So if you don't jump right on it, it may be months and months (laughs) before you get to see your your follow-up doctor. So if I could give any advice, it would be to go in there with a very patient attitude. It is gonna take time, but I also have learned that the answers that I have received for my unexplained infertility have made my journey just so much more peaceful. It is so great to know that there is a reason for my infertility and it's not just doctors telling me, well, I don't know what's wrong with you, just keep trying, it'll happen eventually. And on, on top of that, I also just want to highlight that this is not just for infertility patients. Natural technology can work with teenagers teenagers can learn how to chart their cycles. That is great. And a lot of people don't know that. And and i really like to point that out. I think there's other methods out there that advocate for for teen uh, charting. I think even FEM has uh, like a teen aspect to where some educators actually focus on just teaching teenagers. And the reason why it's so important for teenagers to learn, well, one, because they go into their 20s and their 30s prepared and informed about their bodies but also because it takes a couple of years for cycles to regulate from the onset of of menarche. So if your teen is struggling with painful periods, irregular cycles, you know, your, your first reaction as mom is I gotta help her, I gotta take her to the doctor and your doctor only has the pill to offer you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that will be yeah and 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 everybody knows i think that this your listeners are probably aware that the pill gets advertised as you know it's going to fix it but in reality it's only masking and quieting down these symptoms that are going to make
0: you just get through your 20s until you're ready to get pregnant Mm -hmm. yeah and i think if we if we have more of the education earlier on maybe we have less of this domino effect, which I feel like is kind of what we have been seeing in the last couple of years, right? You just, you don't learn about your body's reproductive signs. You, you know, need contraception. You are not, you don't know about FAM and then you end up on the pill and then you're on the pill until you're, you get, you know, you come off, want to start a family and then it becomes challenging. And then you end up, you know, like you said, IVF clinics. And then it's just, you go from one, intervention to the next and one, you know, suppression of your menses to the next, right? Until it's like, okay, in the fertility clinics, we may not be suppressing menses, but we're definitely manipulating and we're tweaking and we're, we're trying to conform cycles to be these perfect cycles when that might not even be what that person needs to conceive. Exactly. Um, okay. Shifting gears a little bit. Cause you know, when we had our pre-chat, I loved uh, talking about the spiritual side of the (laughs) fertility journey, because I just think that we hear so much about like the physical, the tests, the supplements, the vitamins, all the things, but the part of our body, our soul and our spirit is really what takes the biggest beating during this journey. And it's so tough. And I don't think this can be talked about enough. So if you would share with us um, a bit about how you explored your spirituality um, or how you used spirituality on your journey and how yes. it helped you.
1: Absolutely. I would love talking about this. Um, to me, I have to start like from the ground up because I didn't grow up in a very spiritual household. I didn't even understand what that meant. But I love how you how you said that comment about your spirit and your mind, and it's all interconnected. I am a true believer that spirituality is directly tied into our quest to finding our true selves and what our purpose on earth is. I read a book once, and you've probably heard of it, called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman.
0: Yes, um, great book.
1: Yeah, a lot of therapists talk about it, and I love the analogy that he gives about um, all of us having five love languages. Well, we have one, but there's there's five la- love languages. And the idea is that if you're in a relationship, you fill up your your partner's tank in his or her love tank. And as a result, that person feels loved and you have a happily ever after relationship. <laughs> so I take I took that analogy because I, I'm a true believer that at our core, we are made up of mind, body, and spirit. And I like to think of those as our life tanks. And so if we take Gary Chapman's analogy of having to fill those tanks up, then I would have to say that I was born in a family, in a a life that led me to have empty life tanks. <laughs> and so I just want to backtrack a little bit because I'm so fascinated by by this idea of having life tanks because if you know anybody in your life that is very successful, very balanced and well put together Chances are they figured out how to fill out their three life tanks. They may not call them that, but I bet you anything, if you were to interview them and ask them like what makes them successful, they're going to say something in relation about their, their thinking, the way they feed their thoughts and their mind, how they exercise, how they move their body or what they're doing to keep themselves healthy and their spirit is probably they have some kind of connection with something that's outside of them. I am I am almost certain that they're going to touch on on one of those that that's what makes them successful. In fact, that's why I named my social media handle balanced fertility uh because I find so much power in that word balance. I truly believe that being in the in the middle in the balanced way at the core of all that we are will bring us a lot of clarity and health into, all that we do, and so anyway, where am I going with this? And what does this have to do with spirituality? So going back to my own experience, when when I said that I kind of grew up with, got thrown into adulthood with empty life tanks, I grew up in a in a very traumatic environment. I never felt like my my home was a safe place. My family was stuck in this perpetual circle of domestic violence. So as a child, I never knew when I was going to wake up to find my mother dead, and as a result. I I just walked into adulthood with all these traumatizing thoughts that I didn't even know were traumatizing because that's all I knew to be normal for me. But like I said, it just left me so depleted. My mind was so negative. I was convinced that love was stupid. anybody who falls in love is stupid. <laughs> and um, everybody's mean and evil, they're out to get you, and they're all gonna take advantage of you. <laughs> I almost laugh now because it's 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 as a child, like nobody deserves that. <laughs> and uh, I don't say that. Um, like I, I knew that my parents loved me and that they constantly sacrificed for me. but I, I've come to understand that they also grew up with empty life tanks. And uh, I, I say that because I think it's important for anybody that's listening to go back and reevaluate where their traumas are and everybody has some sort of trauma. The obvious ones are, of course, physical, sexual abuse, homelessness, um, starvation, you know, but but sometimes we don't think that you can get traumatized by your parents expecting you to be number one at everything. (laughs) So if you get number two, and your parents tell you, well, that's not good enough, you kind of grow up always thinking like you have to be more. And Mm -hmm. if we do not check where we are lacking, where we're traumatized, we will not be able to be in a place in our adult life where we can start to fill up our tanks. In in my case, my body as a teenager, like I I was relatively healthy. And in my 20s, like I said, I, I didn't have any medical history. But I knew that the thoughts that I was having were eventually leading me to depression. When I got my first job, I didn't know how to handle the stress. So I started dealing with anxiety and uh, my mental health just started to deteriorate. I didn't have any spiritual life. I I didn't know God. And so for me, I was very, very blessed because there there came a point at my bottom point where I realized like, I need help. Like, this is not working for me. And I just went out and, and started to ask the question, like, God, if you are real, like, I need to know you because I don't know what kind of God exists that would allow this kind of pain to be this painful. And um, here's one thing that I learned anybody who sets out on a quest to find themselves is going to eventually cross paths with God because God is in our details. And um, I love that because that tells us that even if you grow up like me with three empty, depleted tanks, If you just focus on filling up your spiritual tank, the other two are going to eventually fill up. For me, I can honestly say that this has given me a a healthier perspective on relationships now and how I handle my depression, my anxiety, my body that is in constant pain. I live with chronic pain. Um, My infertility, it's all tied in to me seeing myself in the eyes of my creator. this has been so important for me because it really has been the foundation of how i address all the things that i as a human cannot handle and infertility is really really big but for you it could just be something else and I, I just want to encourage you to explore your life tanks and see where else you can make improvements, so that you also can experience like this transformation.
0: <laughs> yeah, and spirituality doesn't have to be really Spirituality is not religion, and I know that sometimes we we get that confused. But it's it's whatever you believe that's greater than than this physical world, right? So for some, like God might resonate. And for others, you know, you might use source or universe or you know, whatever other terms there are to describe creator.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And this tank is idea of tanks is is brilliant. And uh I even think about it in terms of like things that you pass down. Right. So like your you said that your parents had you know empty life tanks and then you felt that for yourself, but now you have this beautiful choice and opportunity to end that pattern. That's like been Mm -hmm. familial. And now for your children, you don't pass that on. You're going to create a child that has, you know, full life tanks. And how amazing is it that you have that sense of empowerment to, and and choice even to do that. Like, I think that's so fantastic.
1: Thank you. And yes, I truly, truly feel the same way. You know, I, I was never given that language. I kind of had to learn uh, on my own. But I think that truly what catapulted me into just experiencing that was me getting to know God. Because when you know God and how God sees you, your your view of the world completely changes. And you're absolutely right. Some people may may call it a different thing but it's in the act of surrendering to that act that you just begin to
0: to see things very differently. Hmm. Surrendering, surrendering control is probably one of the biggest things I've had to learn on on both journeys being a practitioner working in this space and then also my personal journey and it's so so hard. So hard and you know I think someone said to me once like you know surrendering is not the same thing as giving up and I was like it's not I always thought that that's what I meant. And then, and then it's, it's when I actually sat with that, I'm like, no, surrendering is saying like, it's out of my hands and I'm going to put it Mm -hmm. to, you know, higher powers that be. And um, then through that came this idea of like, everything does have a way of working out at the right time that it's supposed to. And I know like there's a whole you know, like divine timing, but I believe that because I look at my life and I was like, okay, well, this happened at this time. And if it would have happened at another time, it wouldn't have worked. An example is I think about my husband, like if we met in our early twenties in university, we were completely different people. There is no way that we would have gotten together (laughs) back then, but we met at just this like perfect time where we were both at the right place and our subconscious were like evolved, if you will, if you want to go that, that deep. But I think the for our fertility journeys and like when we will have children and when we will be mothers, well, actually we're already mothers, but you know, this will also have follows that divine timing um and surrendering really lets you be one with that.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that Antoinette. I, I feel the same way that you do In my case, for example, I'm very, very, I take very dear to heart in the Bible where it says that God knew us before we were even born and he knitted us into our mother's womb. So if I believe that to be true, then it means that my children already exist. I just haven't met them physically. And there's this book out there called The Cosmic Cradle. It may not be everyone's cup of tea, but, um, you know, in it, it says that there's a lot of people that claim that they are able to communicate with their spirit babies. And for me, like not to sound too woo woo, but I established that relationship with my children. I know I have three spirit babies that are attached to me. One of them seems very, very far away. Um, I don't know if he'll ever make it to Earth, but I know there's a boy and a girl, and and the girl is is very strong. She comes onto me a lot, actually, and um, I know that it has a lot to do with the work that I'm doing here on Earth. Um, to heal the mother wound all the the lineage that i feel like i'm breaking as i'm setting out on this quest to fill up my own life tanks and just you know be a better example for others in my own family um that that little girl for me is 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 very very big so she comes on strong my boy on the other hand he's more quiet um i rarely get i rarely get to experience i don't, I don't know if that's the appropriate word i don't know how to use it um but he seems very wise and I don't know if he will ever make it to earth either, but I know that he's real. And and I I hope that they know that they drive me and they ignite me. And when it comes about talking to about divine timing, I truly believe that, you know, they are like, I wouldn't be here talking to you Antoinette had it not been for me wanting to seek them and to desire them and In order for me to be at peace with it, because it almost sounds like it could sound very cruel to think that, well, why would God create these children and not (laughs) and they're not going to come into the earth? But the thing is, is that I've learned to desire more what God wants for me than what I want for my life. So, yes, I want to be a mother so, so bad, but I don't know if that's what God wants for me. And what I do know about where I'm at in my life right now is that God is working in me. Um, I may not be a mother, but I feel like I am giving birth daily. (laughs) I am moving things. There's things happening to me. I'm creating all the information that I'm putting out on my social media. Every time I talk to women, every time someone learns something new about their fertility, I am planting seeds. And that just, that just, I, I love it. It's like you said, we're like spiritual mothers. And then I really take that to heart. Um, surrendering to me is an act of absolute strength and holiness. Because like you said, it, it may sound like, like it's a weak because that's what we're trained to believe, right? Nobody wants to, to give up. But to give up is actually a false understanding of what surrendering is. Surrendering, like one who truly surrenders, in wisdom, to a purpose that is higher than themselves, actually finds that they end up winning more at life, that they just stubbornly kept on holding on to their limiting beliefs. So Mm. in my case, I share that similar story that um, about you and your husband meeting, you know, had it been different, um, I also would not have met my husband, I joke with him, and I tell him, like, honey, you are not the man of my dreams because he he never would have made the cut because the girl that I used to be would have been into material things. And, and now, like, I, I know that God was preparing me. God was building me to be the wife that my husband needed. And at the same time, he was opening my heart to receive the love that my husband needed. Gives me now i'm so proud of the relationship that I have with him our communication, which is very strong, and you know back then in my mid 20s I would say this prayer. I would say a lot dear God rid me of myself, so that at the end only you remain. I didn't understand the magnitude of this prayer back then, but I really have come to realize that, you know, the more I began to surrender my stubborn human ways to the mercy of God, I began to experience supernatural exchanges within me. Like I became more compassionate, more joyful, more peaceful, more confident. I was renewed. And if I had not changed that, my husband would have never been attracted to me. So like looking back, God was molding me and God had me. And to me, surrendering is an act of worship. If we don't know surrender in that way, you don't know peace.
0: Wow. So beautiful. Like the way you have such a way with words, the way you phrase things and put things. I just, I'm getting goosebumps over here. (laughs) Uh, No, it's this, a relationship goes through so much on the fertility journey. Absolutely. But I think it I always say to my to my clients that it's it's challenge. It's a it's a way that you're being challenged and you're being like supported and you're crafting the type of parents you're gonna be, the type of couple you're gonna be with children, the moms and dads that you're gonna be, like this is a gift. This is like this beautiful lesson you get to learn.
1: Absolutely. I'm very uh careful sometimes when I express that, because I don't want to sound too happy. Like infertility sucks, man. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Um, But, but I know so many of my infertility sisters that, you know, they really struggle with it and they don't have an understanding, a knowing of God and who they are in his eyes. And, um, you know, my heart breaks for them, but I also, I hope that my story is able to give someone hope. And when it comes to relationships, I completely agree with you. Infertility can change a lot of how you go out in the world and you you just have a relationship with your husband. A lot of of couples who struggle with infertility end up getting divorced because the pressure is just too much. And one thing that has become very important to me because of my history of anxiety and depression um, is that. I knew from the very beginning that I had to create boundaries um, with how I was going to handle this. So I am extra meticulous about the way that I interpret my infertility. Um, So I have to refuse to allow infertility to dictate how I am going to experience my relationships and um, just experience my marriage. And, and And I hope that if anybody listening, that's going through infertility, that they take anything off of this, is that while it may seem hopeless, like they have no control over when they're gonna get pregnant, that they remember that there is always something that they have control over. And so for me, I use the words, like I refuse or I choose because we always choose daily to see things, to view things and and to make things out of this pain. So although I I know a lot of women who cannot even handle um, being on their social media and seeing pregnancy announcements, and they just fall apart when their friends say that they're pregnant for the third time. For me, like it's, it's, yes, it's a reminder that I'm not pregnant still, but I also try to be grateful of the gifts that God has given me. So I always reach out something that I do for my friends when I know that they're pregnant and I'm about to give birth. I always reach out and ask them to invite me to pray for them during childbirth. So they'll, they'll message me as soon as they, they go into labor and I can sit there and, and pray for them. And I really am thankful for the, the miracle that God is creating in them. But in that prayer, I'm always led back to the gifts that God is doing in me. God is putting gifts in me, even though it may not be in the form that I expected. But I, I get to experience that through pray, prayer. And if I do not put myself intentionally in those situations to experience his grace and his, his love for me, I will miss the gifts. I will miss the positivity. I will miss how amazing my marriage is now, because our communication has only gotten better. We talk about things like, you know, adoption and having the art procedures, or even having children with disabilities, which is a likely thing the older that we get. We don't control this, but we have these conversations, and my husband is so supportive. My husband is so helpful and always helps to ground me back. I feel so accepted, so loved, and I would never question that his love for me is going to diminish just because I cannot give him children, and
0: to me, that is a gift. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's you. Yeah, you have a way of speaking about God in a way that just brings it, like brings grounds it right, and brings it into like our modern our modern world and into this idea of you know our health and our bodies. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. So wrapping things up, uh, what are some pieces of advice that you would give? A woman who's just starting her fertility journey
1: Ooh, that's a good question so first of all I want to okay I want to say this because someone who's beginning their fertility journey may think that that means I'm ready to get pregnant so what I want to say about that is that your fertility journey starts like way before you think about getting pregnant and um, you really need to get into the habit of really seeing every one of your menstrual periods as a little flag that's telling you that something is right or something is not. Start paying attention to your flow, to the color of your period, to the symptoms that you get right before you start to bleed, because they're all telling you something. If you don't chart, it's a great time to start way before you try to get pregnant. Remember that if you are someone who is on birth control for the reasons of hormonal discomforts like PMS or PCOS, (laughs) you're only masking these symptoms. And while the advice that you're more than likely given is, well, just stay on it and come back to see me when you're ready to get pregnant, Keep in mind that that's going to work for, yes, a lot of women. A lot of women are able to get pregnant right away, but if you are one of those who is already dealing with hormonal imbalances, if you're ready to get pregnant at the age of 34, guess what? It may take you a very long time to be able to get back your full fertility. I say that for anybody like on the IUD, that one is the one that takes up to a year for for you to be able to have your fertility completely restored. So I say say that not to scare you, but to, to know that your fertility does not start when you want to get pregnant or when you find out that you're pregnant. It really does start from the onset of menarche. And what a gift it is To live in this earth as a woman, as a as a as a female that gets to teach other little girls about their period too. And on that note, for anybody that is going through infertility, what I would say to you is, and please kindly hear my heart, but stop overglorifying motherhood. Yes, I want to be a mother just as bad as you, but don't forget that you are more than just that. If there's one thing that for me has been very helpful is just to not identify as a victim. I would never ask God, why me? Why is this happening to me? Because I know that God cares and he hears my heart. And if I am not happy with where I'm at, if God is not answering uh, the desire of me becoming a mother, which I know is there because he put it there, then maybe the problem is not that I cannot get pregnant, but that I am only identifying as a mother. When in reality, I'm way more than that. God has called us to be sisters, to be cousins, to be friends, to be mentors, to be humans and women on this earth. We have so much more to give and we can mother without having children. My my other thing on that, go join a mom Facebook. Like seriously, go ask women, these moms. When was the last time they had time for themselves? When was the last time they slept in? When was the last time they went on a interrupted date with their husband and they just had sex whenever they wanted to? (laughs) Listen, moms, having a like having children is a hard job, and I I am aware of that. So. Don't over glorify the motherhood aspect. Yes, your friends will tell you that it's all worth it and, it. and it is. I would trade anything right now to be a mother. But at the same time, we have to understand that that is not our story. Our story is here. Our story is in the pain. But out of pain,
0: you can learn things and you can grow and you can be better. So wise, Jeanette. Thank you so much for sharing that. On a lot of levels, I needed to hear this today. Um, so thank you for that, but how can our listeners stay connected with you, get, learn more from you hear all your awesome wisdom.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. Well, thank you Antoinette for having me here. It's been such an honor. And uh, like I said, I am so grateful for people like you that extend these platforms for education to be put out there, for wisdom to be gained, because we all need this in our lives. (laughs) Um, But you can find me over on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram. I am at balanced fertility with JJ. There is a period after every word because Instagram. (laughs) Um, So with dot jj.
0: <laughs> I we'll don't link out, it all in the show notes. Yes, so we'll yes. be good.
1: <laughs> and then uh on TikTok, I make uh I make a lot of videos over there, sometimes different than my Instagram and Facebook. Um you can find me there at balance Um and you can find those Napro videos that I've done on my YouTube just by uh, searching my name Jeanette Carlos like I said extend me some grace I know nothing about making videos I just did those because that information needed to
0: be out there (laughs) publish not perfect that's what I always say (laughs) I love it (laughs) all right thank you so much Jeanette it was great to have you on today's episode
1: yes thank you Antoinette
0: Thank you for listening to the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of all future episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for all guest details and your free downloadable goodies. Your feedback is important to me, so please, please leave a review so women can find and be empowered by this knowledge. If you have a topic you'd like to see discussed on the show or have a recommendation for guests you'd like to see interviewed please get in touch by emailing the hormone heartbeat podcast at gmail.com.